0: and welcome to Fat Chicks on Top. This is your host, Auntie Vice, and it's great to be back. We are into Pride Month 2023, and I'm thrilled you are all with us. And this year, for me, Pride feels particularly relevant since our communities are so under attack lately. So to help celebrate this and help do the month, for the next several months, I will be interviewing folks who are involved in advocacy and legislation to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of what's going on in politics right now. I have folks coming on from the National Association for the Advancement of Fat People. I have folks coming in from the National Coalition of Sexual Freedom. I have folks coming in from different state agencies to talk about what's going on and what we can do to support our communities and help make the place even better. But today, I wanted to come back partly because I've been off. I've I've been sick. And that's the unfortunate thing about a chronic illness that has flares is I'll get to a point where I really can't do too much. And I'm sorry for missing you for the last month. I have missed you listeners. I've missed doing my interviews, but I am finally back on track. So I am back here to talk to you. And in the intervening month, I've had a bunch of people reach out with questions. So today's episode is just going to be me answering readers who have written into the show to see what I can do to help and advise folks. So because it's Pride Month, we'll kick off the first one, which is somebody wrote in and said, Auntie Vice, do you think kink belongs at Pride? And this has been an ongoing conversation for the last several years about whether Pride should be family-friendly or not. Now. Pride is rooted in kink because most of the people who really had to fight for pride and fight for our right to exist were those of us who couldn't pass, right? The butches and the fairies and the the dykes and the people who who couldn't pass. And a lot of those are part of the leather community and part of the kink community. And it's one of the reasons in San Francisco that Dykes on Bikes heads the parade every year, which is, by the way, an organization I love. And so, yes, I do think kink should be at Pride. I do think we need family-friendly events and things that are in the PG realm for teens who want to be involved because more and more folks are coming out younger. And we have LGBTQ families, and I think it's great to have family entertainment and family picnic, but I do think Maine Pride should be a space for us to express our sexuality in all its many forms that comes in the LGBT community and part of this is because when people take issue with the the lgbtq plus community they're taking issue with people who can't pass who don't fit in the people who have heteronormative style relationships with a monogamous couple married both in professional jobs maybe adopting a kid the you know they they can pass as heterosexual when they walk out in public, these are not the people that the right wing has the biggest issue with, right? They, they hope they go away, but for the most part, they, they're not going to bother them because they look like heterosexual consumers. For those of us who haven't been able to or haven't wanted to have that model for our relationships and for the way we love and the way we express that love, we are the ones that they target first this is the what reason people are targeting trans folks and drag queens from the top right folks who will never be respectable enough to make it into respectable bo- ability politics so i think main pride should definitely be kink friendly and then we can have side groups and and areas set aside for kids and stuff when you don't want to expose them to different different elements uh <laughs> You know, or you don't want them to see somebody in chaps um, or walking around with, you know, breast out. That's fine. Have a space for those families, but those aren't the folks who are currently under attack. We need to keep kink and pride and keep it front and center. I also want to put a shout out for the book Leather Folk. Radical Sexualities, Politics, uh, and People. It's a great edited volume about our history, and I think everyone should go ahead and pick it up, and I'll have the links in the show notes for that. Our second letter comes in from a, a repeat writer, and they are a young couple in their 20s. And they're looking at getting married, and they are based in the UK. So welcome and hi. It's good to hear from you guys again. And they're expecting their first child. So this letter is mostly about child rearing. Now, full disclaimer, I am not a parent myself. I've had some wonderful kids in my life. I have a lot of nephews, uh, you know, in my life that I've been around since they were very little, but I have not been a parent. So on the in-depth of parenting, I am not your go-to expert. But some of the questions I do think I can, can answer. One of them asked if it's okay to blow raspberries on a baby's belly and kiss their bellies and chest and stuff, especially like when they're changing or playing with them. And I see no problem with that, right? It's a way to to touch in a, in a gentle, very non-sexual way, get your baby comfortable. And it's something we all do, right? You blow on your baby's belly and you make them laugh. And it's a wonderful thing to do. As the child gets older and is able to express stuff, if they feel uncomfortable, if they push away or, you know, even ask them, is it okay if I give you a raspberry? It introduces a young child to the idea of consent, that you're not going to touch them without their permission. And when they're, they're three, four, five, when they're able to verbally articulate whether or not they want that, Then you need to listen to your 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 kids' feedback, and I think it's a great way to introduce consent to that. Uh, Another question was, are there any good books that we can read our kids? And some of my favorites, especially when they're really little, are like the Pat the Bunny books and the ones that are the they're kind of cardboardy and tactile so they they have them on shapes and textures and all of that too to start teaching your kids different concepts like furry or scratchy or soft and I've, i've used those with a ton of kids growing up as they get a little older Dr. Seuss. I'm still a fan of Dr. Seuss. I know there's some controversies around some of his work uh, that had some racist imagery. Those have been taken off the market by the, the Seuss Foundation That itself decided not to keep printing those books. So yeah, the Dr. Seuss books, Go Dog Go, Oh, the Places You Will Go, Hop on Pop, One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish, all of those are wonderful books to introduce to kids. And then when they're around three or four my favorites growing up were the Madeline books, um, and those were phenomenal stories. And then I also like poetry, and Shel Silverstein's Poetry for Kids, Where the Sidewalk Ends, The Missing Piece. All of those are wonderful ways to talk and read to your kids. And we know from lots of studies, the more you talk to your kids, the more words you use with your kids, the more facility your child will have with language. And it's one of the things that we find with GAPS is when you have a households that read to their little kids versus those that don't, the households that read, those kids have a leg up in education that is very difficult to make up later in in schooling, even if you have a really good teacher. So the more you can read to your kids and talk to your kids and sing to your kids, I think the better off you will be. And then the third question they had were, are there any uh, games or uh, that we could play with our kids, and yeah, starting when they're really young, you know, you start doing things like passing a ball back and forth. Little babies and and toddlers love playing with balloons, and it's a great way to develop hand-eye coordination and get them comfortable in their interact. Um, you know, and it, it's not going to wreck the household. Uh, things like blocks. Um, any any type of building and manipulating spaces and shapes uh, will really help. And the ones where you put the right shape block in the right hole, those things very early on are great to play with your kids. Puzzles are great. Age-appropriate puzzles can be a wonderful way to help with spatial ability and reasoning. And, you know, you get the giant puzzle pieces or the foam puzzles when they're really little and you move up. And it makes it easier to do things like, rearrange words um, and letters and numbers when they're older, and it gives them more of a spatial ability as they, they grow. There's so many great games out there, everything from tiddlywinks to pickup sticks, anything that works with the dexterity right? And teaches your kids to manipulate smaller objects will help with hand-eye coordination later on. I'm also a big sports person. Get out your kid, kick a ball around in the yard if you have one or go to the park and kick a ball around. Uh, Have them run, have them play hopscotch. The physical activities are really critical for my, my youngest nephew in my life. He's 10 now, but we would go out and I'd let him climb trees or play in the sandbox or climb on the jungle gym and just hang out with him and spend that time with him. And kids love that. At home, as they get a little older, there's a whole bunch of card games from Old Maid to Uno to Go Fish. All of these things are a great way to spend some family time together and really enjoy it. and to this day we still when my my sister brings up my nephew, we still play family games and at 10 we're playing things like Neanderthal poetry or which he loves being able to to hit his grandma with the uh blow up bat when uh, she gets an answer wrong, which is part of the game or we'll play. Uno, or we play Go Fish when he was a little younger, and we play all sorts of board games now, and it's a great way for family to get together and hang out. And then the last part of the question is, what TVs, movies, shows would you recommend watching with your kid? When they're little, when they're very little, it probably doesn't matter a lot because they're not comprehending what's on TV. As they enter the... the the later parts of the the ones and twos. There's some programming available to, to kids on TV of that age that's supposed to help with stuff. I found it all really annoying. But I really liked My Neighbor Totoro, which my niece, when she was little, would watch on repeat. She loved that one. There's lots of like Teen Titans Go and Spider Man, little spinoffs made for younger kids. Uh, my my nephew started watching those very young. My partner's son watches those very young, and then they kind of grow up with those characters. Um, and you get you you know you can kind of get into all of that, and so those can be fun. And then you know Disney Disney always works. Uh, make sure you get the age appropriate stuff. Things like Bambi, I wouldn't do until the kid's a little older because the opening is very traumatic, but Disney makes a lot of great stuff for them as does Pixar. I love the Pixar films and the, the Pixar shirts. Those are a ton of fun. So we've watched all of those uh, with, with our kids, but myself and my partner. So those work well. And then as they got into the teen years, um, Are Both his daughter and one of my nephews more gravitated towards anime, and so we were able to bond over that. But see what your child likes. I mean, part of of youth programming and and child programming can be really annoying. Uh, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse and Callaloo made me tear my hair out. Um, but there are other fun ones. Mister Rogers is still phenomenal. Sesame Street is still a phenomenal resource, and I, I recommend those as well. So, congratulations on the pregnancy. Congratulations on the attending nuptials. I hope you and your bride will have a wonderful time and an easy childbirth, and uh, and good luck moving forward in your new life. And thank you for writing in. Keep writing in. We'll we'll, we'll keep talking to you. The next one that came in to me is. Auntie Vice, I'm a straight man and I like anal sex. Does this make me gay? If the person you're doing anal sex with is somebody of a different gender, then no. It it doesn't make you gay. The, the, The anus, the butthole, is not the gay hole right? There's lots of pleasure sensitive points for everybody of every gender in there. If you were born with a penis, you have a prostate. That is the equivalent of what they call the male G spot, right? There's a ton of nerve endings. It can cause amazing orgasms. It can help men have extended orgasms. Some men can have repeat orgasms with the prostate stimulated, and it can be wonderfully fun. You know, to have your partner, if they don't have a penis, use a strap on. There are some strap on guides. I will have them in my show notes, uh, as to, to where to go and get it. And if you're into anal sex, if you're into pegging, I strongly recommend picking up, uh, Cooper Beckett and Lindsay Miller's book, The Pegging Book. Uh, Cooper and Lindsay were on the show earlier this year and they do a wonderful job at explaining the Ins and outs, for lack of a better term, the how to's, as well as the whys and the cultural ramifications, uh, especially of cis straight men having anal sex. And so, yeah, I would say definitely check out their book. And then the last one I got was Dear Auntie Vice, how do I connect with the kink community? Well, luckily, there's lots of ways now. The easiest and probably most complete. Listing for kinky events is on FetLife.com. If you're not currently on FetLife.com, just know it's basically Facebook for kinky people with all of the flaws and issues that Facebook has, including the racism and sexism and annoying people. On my site, uh, LoveLettersToAUnicorn.com, I do offer a video for members, and membership is free on my site. I do offer a downloadable video which walks you through step-by-step how to set your privacy settings on FetLife to prevent people from finding you, explaining what the difference between an indexed and a non-indexed site is, that life is a non-indexed site, which will make it a little harder for people to find you if they're they're not already on there. They won't it won't turn up in a background search in the U.S. For example, if if your employers are looking for your accounts, um, I tell you how to set privacy settings to determine who can see what you have, how they can contact you. That life now has an option where only people you have already friended can contact you and send you any messages. To as Minor set, Anybody can send you a message, and I walk you through all of that. And on FetLife, you can go to the events page and then search by distance to your location for what's going on, and they list in-person, online, and hybrid events, and it's it's quite complete. So I would say FetLife would be my first stop. BDSmevents.com is a second site where you can find community calendars. If you are in the San Francisco Bay Area, Eros. Bay, E-R-O-S-B-A-Y.com is a calendar of various kink, BDSM, and swinger events in the San Francisco Bay Area. And you can finally check out ForbiddenTickets.com. Forbidden Tickets was started by Jezebel, who runs the Blackthorn Dungeon and Education Group out of Oakland, California. Jez is wonderful. I love working with her. She has a beautiful space, so check them out. Uh, The link will be in our show notes. And that site was created by a kinkster for kinky people because things like blowjob classes get flagged and removed from things like Eventbrite and brown paper tickets. So Jez has created this site that's all BDSM and kink-centered events and conferences and play parties and online classes and support groups. And so ForbiddenTickets.com is a great way to find out where a lot of these events are. Get the tickets that you want. I will put a plug in. I uh, put up uh, postings for my events on there, including my bi-weekly or bi-monthly Support group for trans and non-binary sex workers. So if you are a trans or non-binary sex worker and you want to meet for peer support every other week with other people that we vetted to make sure are just in the industry and and are not looking to find or meet up or and you can't have you're not in law enforcement, not in uh research or anything. These are just for people who are working in the industry. You can join us and that's through. And then finally, if you're looking for General education spaces and munches. Wickedgrounds.com offers a bunch, as well as if you go through uh, kink-positive.com, there is a monthly online munch and risk. Hyphen the show, the risk uh, podcast, which is a storytelling podcast, has a monthly meetup and there's quite a few online and there's quite a few kinky people on there. So that's where I would start with those. You can also subscribe to my newsletter, um, which you can get when you go to either love letters to a unicorn.com or auntivice.com. You can subscribe to it. And I put in a list of international events that are coming up that are cool. And if I have discounts or ticket information, I have the links in that one, too. So thank you all for writing in. We will be back next Monday with a new show. That one will be with a couple of policy and legislative folks here in California talking about the future of abortion care, the future of youth in public policy, accessing condoms in school, and a whole bunch of other cool stuff that we've got going on and that can work for models uh, for other states. So thank you all for being here. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful Pride Month. And don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe. Thank you very much. Hi, this is Auntie Vice from Fat Chicks on Top. I want to let you know that Fat Chicks has a new line of merchandise so you can show your love. You can go to auntieVice.com backslash shop for all things fat chicks. My books are there as well, and if you use code PrEP4Folsom, capitalizing each letter, you will get $7 off the 30 days of Cakey Self-Discovery digital book. at FatChicksOnTop.com